0: Welcome back to A Brief Chat with Jason Crane. Today is Tuesday, the 6th of August, 2019. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm joined again on today's episode uh, by my friend Ben Weidman, who is a campus pastor for Third Way Collective uh, Peace and Justice Ministry on the Penn State campus. Welcome back. Thanks. Your couch is very comfortable. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to actually dig into one thing that is uh, slightly afield from what we were talking about yesterday. And it's this podcast is very grounded in my ideological beliefs, which are anarchist in nature. And I think a lot of anarchists, as soon as they hear any talk by someone in any kind of religious authority or involved in an institutionalized or even non institutionalized religious practice, I think a lot of anarchists tend to kind of dial that person off immediately. You and I are both very religious people, although, well, I was going to say in different ways. I think not. we're not all that different. Um, I, our belief structures might be a little different, but I think our approaches are pretty similar. Yeah. I have struggled a lot over the years with referring to myself as a religious person and really only would have started doing that in the last several years, you know, mm-hmm. kind of concurrently with around the time that I was first meeting you and talking to you. So I guess one thing I wanted to highlight was that the... I know I in the past have erred on the side of using religious or religion or Christian or the church as kind of a blanket enemy that is generally speaking opposed to most of the things I believe in and I th- hope that I have become smarter since then and I had my eyes opened by people like you and by you know others certainly from the black liberation movement. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how your how your faith and your religious belief structure might come up against the peace and justice work you do because sometimes the the peace part is easy I think but the justice part is a little trickier when this stuff m- hits at least in my my view
1: I mean I think that the hardest thing right now is that that sentiment you have of like the that religion or the church especially Christian church in this country is the enemy um, I think is so so prevalent here in our, in our culture and context, especially when we're in social justice kinds of spaces. Um, early on in the, in the work that I started here at Penn state, we realized that students felt like they had to choose between being a person of faith or caring about peace and social justice stuff. And, uh, nicely, I guess, because we'd already picked the name, we felt like we were, we were proposing a third way to try and be both of those things in the same space and to try and uh, live out an example of what that looks like. I think, I think this is the perfect time to be trying that because right now when you hear the word Christian, most people will think unscientific, judgmental, homophobic, nationalistic, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's actually it's actually pretty easy to present an alternative to say, look, if you're if you're serious about this, if you're serious about these sacred texts that so many of the world's uh, traditions are built on, they actually reject things like sexism or cisgender exceptionality. They they reject things like um, m- national military aggression. They reject things like consumerism and wealth. And and for some reason right now our American church has said, actually, we are all those things. Um, at least the, the the loudest part and the part that seems to get the most political attention right now. So I think rather than it being a challenge, I actually see this as like uh, a wonderful opportunity to be able to to say, look, you can be these things. You can be a person who cares about justice and a person of faith um, to to stand in between these two worlds, which should coexist and are currently not, and are and are really like. Uh, seemingly diametrically opposed, at least in the way that we talk about it at a national level right now. Um, so it feels like a great time, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, speaking of Third Way specifically, and I, I you know, have to admit to having a little more inside knowledge of Third Way, in addition to knowing you, I'm also married to a person who at one point was the president of Third Way, right. student president. And one thing that I think shows that Third Way is doing more than just saying those things is that there has been a pretty strong like queer you know, especially trans presence in third way and third way has been pretty prominent on those kinds of issues sure. on campus, which again, in my experience, when I think of the intersection of religion and the queer community, you know, generally my experience has been negative, And I think third yeah. way presents a pretty strong example in the other direction.
1: I mean, we're trying, I think one of the best things that someone told me to do when I arrived here was to slow down and start listening. I had been hired I thought as the expert to come here with the solutions for how to make Penn state a better place to how to be more peaceful and just from a faith-based perspective. And like the black lives matter movement happened in my very first fall. And I realized, I don't know what I'm doing here. I got, I've <laughs> got to slow down. I've got to listen to what the students are telling me. And I met three incredible students in my very first fall who said, look, right now when we're with our LGBT peers, they're telling us to reject our faith, and we're with our faith peers. They're telling us to reject our LGBT identity. Um, so, a very, very quick and easy third way to present to this community was like, "Look, you can be both." And I think leaning in when some of those opportunities have presented themselves has has been a huge gift. I think if I had just kept that mantle of like, "I'm I'm the <laughs> I'm the privileged savior here to show you how to do things," I probably would have been done within the first six months. But realizing that. I'm not the one with the ideas, but the students are actually the ones who are going to drive this has been transformative for me. And I think transformative for how we've ended up um, existing in this community.
0: Well, you say more you and I are both white men. And I'm, I'm curious about you. The, you mentioned Black Lives Matter, you know, kind of coming to yeah. prominence in your in your first six months. That's a situation where the tendency of you know, the best intention to white people is to kind of go into this white savior mode. Uh, And I'm kind of curious how, uh, if you were able to avoid that, how you did, and if not, how you adjusted.
1: Well, fortunately, I guess I grew up in a very, very white uh, community in Southern Ontario and Canada, and I was terrified. Like my very little bit of uh, racial justice work happened in grad school while I was a seminary student in Southern California. And, um, so I knew that, that I was not prepared, and so I kind of like very quietly went into a couple of the very first organizing meetings on campus and said to the the students who were in charge, like, "Hey, can I can I actually be here? Is that allowed?" <laughs> and the the great thing was that the first responses I got were like really out of laughter, like they would laugh at that sentiment because in their minds they were trying to stand up to get people like me with a whole lot of privilege to notice them. And, and students would say like, we don't need you to lead. We need you to stand with us. I, I think my fear was that I was going to show up and I was going to say, I'm here to help. And fortunately, I knew enough to not say, I know the answers, but I was, you know, I thought I'd say, how can I help? And they'd give me some insurmountable um, task. And instead what they did was just say, walk alongside of us, like be here when we need you. Um, if we are doing a die in lie
0: on the floor next to us, that's how you can make the biggest difference. It's interesting because it sounds like, although you would expect the campus pastor of a faith-based peace and justice group to be quote unquote, the leader that, that, that your role isn't always that maybe even isn't usually that, that it's a more subtle responsibility.
1: Yeah. It's usually my ego that gets in the way of really cool ideas and, (laughs) and things like that. Like, uh, I remember thinking that I had this great idea of like subjects that I wanted us to tackle and I remember thinking in one of those first sort of lecture designed spaces that students didn't need to be told one more thing they spend their whole day just having stuff thrown at them their their minds are already churning with with ways to create a better world all I can all I should be doing is walking alongside them I don't always remember that. And uh, it's really terrifying at this time of year, you know, midsummer, to like think about a calendar of schedules and events and think, like, I got to just be patient. The planner in me wants to like figure out what the theme of September is going to (laughs) be, which is stupid. Like, I know there's going to be a crisis on campus that if we have said that our theme is going to be environmental justice in the Amazon, it's going to be totally tone deaf to whatever is going on on campus this fall. And so we've got to have the willingness to slow down and walk alongside whatever's happening.
0: Yeah, I just I think that's incredibly important that um, we're almost out of time. But that solidarity model of organizing, I just uh, tell a very, very quick story. After 9-11, I went to some faith based gatherings of people who said, you know, how can we show support for like Muslim shop owners in the city where I lived? And, you know, should we be there outside to make sure nothing happens? And a guy stood up and said, you know, a lot of these shop owners are absolutely capable of taking care of themselves yeah. and have been doing that in the communities for a long time. I think if you were to go to them and say, do you need help? And they say yes, then fine, do what they ask. But if you if they say no, then just get out of the way. <laughs> right. And that idea of asking before offering help, I, I mean, I know offering help is something we're always telling people to do, but... That it really is important to make sure that that what you're offering is actually help. Yeah yeah can you come back for one more show? I'd love to all right awesome uh, that's Ben Weidman uh, campus pastor for Third Way Collective you can find them at Third Way Co on all your social media and it's 3RD way Co uh, I'm Jason Crane this is a brief chat you can find this show at abriefchat.com, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason D Crane I love you a better world is possible Thanks Jason.